0: Hello and welcome to this very special episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast where I have exported the audio from an Instagram Live that I did with Amelia which I thought was very interesting and yeah just an interesting discussion that I thought I would share on the podcast. We talk about many things but primarily about the applicability of tough love, has fat acceptance gone too far, that fat loss isn't an even playing field and that it is certainly harder for some people than it is for others and the physiological side that you need to understand as a personal trainer or as anyone who works with people who are aiming to lose fat and just many other things. So I hope that you enjoy. Who's geisha? A geisha geisha girl. Hi everyone everyone. as you know it's Tough Love Monday. That's
1: our favourite day of the week.
0: (laughs) Favourite day. Um, it's a QA, so if you have any questions, fire away. We've got some.
1: Do we want to talk about the Tough Love thing to start with? I actually haven't listened to your podcast, and I can't believe you did it. And then I was, I was like, I was such audacity. You've just done a full podcast, and I just tried to ram my opinion into one post. I have just told everyone to listen to your podcast, though.
0: Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, go and listen to the podcast. Um, I think, I mean, listen to the podcast.
1: I don't...
0: Yeah, I don't think, I think the one thing that, like, I did not
1: Think that, well, maybe we did discuss this. Um, we're talking about, by the way, Emma did a podcast saying, Is the fitness inter- industry getting too soft? And I did a post, hadn't seen that she did a podcast on that, that said, We're in sync. We are in sync, in always. Um, and I did a post that said, You know, like self compassion is not being soft all the time, it's also being hard, in a nutshell, that's all. Which
0: we're is essentially what the podcast says as well. Yeah. But one thing that it did kind of bring up for me was it's harder to be tough love in some ways as a woman because you're often seen as, like, cold and abrasive as opposed to... You are cold and abrasive.
1: Baked. Look at that
0: face. It's such a cold and abrasive face. But it's, like, it's hard to... And I guess that's the skill of balancing between being compassionate, being caring. And, I mean, I would argue that tough love is compassionate and is caring because it's coming from a place of wanting the best for someone but also being friendly and you can have like both sides to that. You don't need to, basically you don't need to pander to people's excuses. You can empower them to make change and that's what I see tough love as.
1: Yeah, so I think, because I said, when I just shared a podcast, I said we agree on things. I said I think we probably disagree on some things. I think the only thing we disagree on actually is you You see the fitness industry looking like it's too soft, softwares. I don't. And I think it's because a, maybe, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I am more towards a too soft side, so I don't see it, or I don't think our echo chambers are different, because I don't think the fitness industry is getting too soft, and I don't know if you've not ever listened to your podcast. You've
0: not listened to the podcast, I don't think we do disagree. Oh, yeah great. And the thing is, when I say do I do you, I, we do agree on this because we've discussed it already, but it's more that I mean some coaches, potentially, and I would include myself at certain times of this, have been... So exposed and are so aware of not causing any harm, obviously, or of not wanting their clients to feel bad that you almost pander to the fact that oh, like you know, oh, don't worry that you overate this weekend. Yes. Sure, don't worry about it, but how can we make it change so that it doesn't happen every single weekend because that's not conducive to your goals? Mm. Whereas I think there's a lot of coaches, and this is essentially what the podcast is about, that feel like a pressure to almost be like, well, actually, the compassionate thing in their head is to almost like allow those excuses to keep coming when actually the compassionate thing is parenting yourself, is not letting yourself give yourself these excuses so that you don't meet your goals. It's saying it's fine, I shouldn't feel guilty about overeating, but realistically if it's happening again and again then it's becoming a pattern, I need to do something to change. Yeah. That's sometimes a little bit of tough love.
1: Absolutely agree and we obviously see this a lot with EIC- EICU- the we have this discussion, at least in every webinar, The same people say how do I find the balance between being compassionate and holding people accountable and it's like being compassionate is holding people accountable that's they're not It's a false dichotomy.
0: yeah yeah and that's exactly what i mean when i say is the fitness industry becoming Mm. too soft yeah that's what i mean i mean that there's a lot of very compassionate coaches who are almost
1: like misinterpreting what compassion is for a hundred percent um can i let you into a little secret Mm -hmm. so years ago when we didn't know each other so it's coming back to your first first point years ago before we knew each other I remember seeing some of your posts and thinking, oh, she's quite harsh, she's quite abrasive. And mm. you're obviously not. It was obviously seeing it through the lens that I was in at the time, which went... But
0: equally, I might have been quite harsh and abrasive at the time. And I remember getting a comment, actually, <laughs> saying something... <laughs> like, no, it wasn't from you, it was from someone uh, saying that I came across as quite cold and abrasive. <laughs> 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 so I remember screenshotting it in foot dark because so like, I thought that was quite funny. And also, like... I think they'd also said it in quite an eloquent way, like, you are quite cold and abrasive and to the point, but I kind of like it. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, yeah, fair, like, a lot of the time, like, I won't beat around the bush, like, if I think that someone isn't living up to their potential or, like, as much as they can do, and they're, like, putting barriers in their own way, like, I will call them out on it, because Mm -hmm. I want the best for them, not because I'm being a dick.
1: Mm. And sometimes you
0: can beat around the bush so much and it's like, well, this is actually what you need to do and often that's what people want. And actually, when I ask my clients if they prefer... So one of the questions I have on Commit to Six is like, what kind of coaching do you prefer? Now, it might not necessarily be the coaching that they need and that's part of the skill of a coach is knowing that some people will be like, I need tough love and it's like, you don't need tough love. Mm -hmm. Actually, you need to give yourself a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is normally the people that say... I like tough love are the people that need a softer approach and people that say so. I like the soft approach are the people that need a bit of tough love yeah but I just find it like the, the question doesn't actually impact what I do but it's just quite an interesting question to ask people and see especially as I have like their dieting history and you can see that it's almost the opposite like you say that you want tough love but really what you need is a little bit more like you know to give yourself a little bit of a break
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting
0: very interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Okay, there was a couple of questions here, I think. or well, maybe it was just that one. A good coach needs to be able to alter their um, approach. I love drill sergeant still, whereas others like softly, softly.
1: You love drill sergeant.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. And I talk about this on the podcast as well, that like, that's, that's kind of emotional intelligence, right? Is knowing like a little bit when to push someone and and it's not even the person it might be the situation as well like it's when to tell someone that they need to get off the couch and get going and when to tell someone that they need to have a break and knowing that person and that's why short-term coaching isn't as effective as like having a long-term relationship with your coach that you actually get to know each other so you know that this is when i can push this person this is when they need a little bit of like softer approach or a little bit of self-care. And again, like I think self-care is often misinterpreted into just eating a whole bar of dairy milk on the chocolate, on the chocolate, on the couch when actually a lot of the time self-care is calling yourself out on your own excuses and being like, do you know what the best thing for me is, even though I don't feel like it, is for the last three days I've just sat and eaten crap and now I need to get outside I need to Mm -hmm. go for a walk I need to do the things that I know are going to make me feel better long term. And again, like, the perfect frame for that is parenting yourself mm-hmm. you wouldn't let your kid do that
1: yeah yeah and i think there's a quote that i have about that in EIQ, yeah, like right and it's a christian network, which like you treat your kids like treat yourself like you treat your kids it's the same thing like you mm-hmm. wouldn't let your kid eat five top of ice cream i also think on, on on a totally separate note but also not um people in people are forgetting that compassion is not just talking being kind to yourself and being proactive compassion is also like there's so much more to what self-compassion actually is in terms of like it also incorporates mindfulness and mindfulness is not just about mindful eating and not eating with your phone it's also about being aware of your thoughts and aware of your actions it's not people very much think a compassionate coach is like well let's just be nice that's actually not all compassion is at all that might be self-care but compassion is so much more than that even self-care isn't is it no 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 and and, and in the sense of what you just said self-care is so much more but it's like if you're going to be compassionate and call yourself a compassionate coach, you actually also have to understand mindfulness. You actually have to understand what that kind of thought work is. We talk about thought work, mm-hmm. obviously, we here, but like being aware doing of your thoughts, work. doing the work, and it's also common humanity. So you need to understand what that means and how we all make mistakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's so much more to it, which is why there's so much of it on here like because I think it's just I think a lot of this comes down to people not understanding what compassion is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And I think there is that, like, almost, like, stigma or, like, association around the word that, like, a compassionate... And I would have thought this as well. Like, a compassionate coach is someone who's just going to kind of be like, don't worry too much. Don't try too hard. Mm. Like, we don't want to push you outside your comfort zone. Like, that isn't what it's about. Like, you can be very, like, hard, I guess, and compassionate. True. And everyone loves hard and passionate love. Uh, sometimes trainers train to the point you don't want to return.
1: That's, con- that's not a good trainer. No. Like when you get a new person in the gym and you're like, right, I'm going to make them sick. Yeah. No. Yeah. Those people mm. are not.
0: <laughs> they didn't know how to program, they're just yeah. like, yeah. Um, isn't there a thin line between tough love and resentment? I became quite small and wanted to crumble, especially when they outpour in from. Wait, sorry. Especially when they mm. outpour in from, of an audience. Love the podcast, thanks so much. I don't know if I if totally understand that.
1: Between tough love and resentment, I became quite small and wanted to crumble. Okay. I think, I'm not sure she, she Tough love to,
0: has nothing to do with what size you are. Like, no, it, it's, 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 it's more like... like, like she oh, like she felt small with tough love. To yeah, maybe do you know what it needs and it needs to be done right it's no good just telling someone like oh just fucking do it like it needs to be done from a place of when I give tough love it's like I'm empowering you to make that change because I believe that you can do it and you absolutely can do it and here here's the tools and here's the support to do it and to make that change because I know that's the goal that you're working towards it's not like just shut up and do it even if you're struggling like and that's, that's tough love like that's, no that's just yeah, that's cool. yeah.
1: That's just tough yeah, without can, the love. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like tough love means coming from a loving place.
0: Yeah, I, and, and I get, I get what what this person's saying though because, again, tough love can be misinterpreted as I think people use it as a guise to get away with saying dickish comments.
1: Yeah, and it's not you're just being a dick.
0: Yeah, like oh well, it's just tough love and you wouldn't understand it. It's like yeah. no, you're <laughs> just being an mm, ass. Yeah, agree. Like okay. So the ones at the bottom are new, aren't they? Yep.
1: Oh. Oh, I can't see it, but I'm excited for it.
0: Do you think the fat acceptance has gone too far now? Health aspect as well as common sense.
1: I think. Let's kick this off. I think there are extreme extremists in any social movement, and in any health movement, in any diet movement, there are always extremists. To go too far and get it wrong do i think that's happened in fat acceptance 100 percent. but what i think is the problem is that people in the fitness industry don't understand what fat acceptance is fat acceptance is not saying uh, except if they're extremists and they're wrong and this is the point true fat acceptance is not saying it's healthy to be have a high levels of body fat that's not what the fat acceptance movement is it's saying People who are in larger bodies and carry larger amounts of body fat still deserve the same level of respect and lack of shame around their bodies and should still be celebrated as people in their bodies, the same as somebody who is thin. That's what the fat acceptance movement is. Has that gone too far? No. Do I think people in that movement have taken it and run with it and got it wrong? Yes. And that in that sense they have gone too far by saying I, I they're not saying i accept my body i i love my body i respect my body and i'm in a larger body they might be saying that but then on top of that they're saying i am um, i don't need to change my body in order to be healthy and although you can certainly get healthier in a larger body without changing your body fat levels for so for most people with a larger body heavier larger body fat levels do need to change that so do I think some people have gone too far? Absolutely. Do I think that's a really easy narrative for the fitness industry to spin because they don't understand it? Also, yes.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard because a lot of these movements, like there is a lot of nuance in them. And a lot of the time, and I would say the same is true for intuitive eating, right? It doesn't like, it's, it's the same kind of narrative. It's like, okay, it's fat acceptance saying that you can be healthier any size. If it is saying that, then it's gone too far because no, storing a lot of excess body fat does have health consequences. And it's almost like we've kind of flipped it the other way, especially in regards to like that area of like, I guess the fitness industry, or if you could would call it that, that like a healthy looking body is now almost portrayed as like problematic in some way, or I don't know, look, like creating expectations that are unattainable for some people, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So I think, like, some parts of it have gone too far, and I do worry about, like, the exposure that some people are getting to those messages who maybe are in larger bodies, who maybe think, okay, then I don't need to change. And I think there's a very, there's a huge difference between accepting where you are and, like, I'm enough where I am, I'm a great person, just because I'm storing some excess energy doesn't mean anything about me. That's fantastic. But then to not change even though you know it's going to improve your health that's like that's a different narrative and i think that that's something that we should be talking more about if people are actually under the guise that that is true like we have so much data like that actually being having excessive amounts of body fat will impact your health negatively in so many ways like not just type 2 diabetes obesity but like increased risk of cancer We know that it's linked to depression. And I think that sometimes they kind of move the goalposts a little bit in that, yeah, but, you know, dieting reduces your, or dieting is also linked to poor um, mental health. But when we take it into, like, okay, let's take everything else aside. that, We're talking about physical health here, not mental health. And if you just look at that on its own, then, yes, reducing the amount of body fat that you have is going to improve your physical health if you are storing an excessive amount of body fat there isn't really any disputing that and all of the data supports that and as Amelia is saying like maybe something that we should be focusing on more which does have a bigger impact on health is getting people to exercise more so we know that even if you don't lose any body fat but you start to exercise more you will improve your health so maybe that's something to focus on and then we know kind of as a byproduct of that most people do tend to lose weight because their behaviors become healthier um, but, yeah, I do I do kind of worry for, like, the next 10 years because a lot of these problems or a lot of these, you know, it doesn't come to fruition like that. It's not like, oh, you're in a larger body. That means you have type 2 diabetes now. It might be 5, 10 years later that your insulin resistance has built up to a point that actually now you are type 2 diabetic. And then it's not as, like, benign as what most people are thinking that it is. Mm. So I just worry that, like, in- influenced people will run into health problems later on and yeah that's concerning especially when you have doctors literally saying that it's fine
1: yeah and I think that's a fair point actually to bring up too we are not the right people between the two of us to give you this full nuanced opinion on the fat acceptance movement Mm -hmm. because we're not part of it and we can give the physiological perspective and what we know from the fitness industry from our lens but also that like it's really important that we have these conversations with people that are actually part of that movement too and they can provide their perspective and then you can make a fair judgment the problem is is that and something we discovered when we were going to do the reclaimed live event is that a lot of people who are anti-diet don't make space for these discussions to be open and are quite closed off to the potential of these types of discussions whereas we try and be as nuanced as we can but we don't know the ins and outs of that mm-hmm. and we're not we don't have lived experience etc but we but if unless people are willing to have these conversations, it's really difficult to get a fair, genuinely fair approach. We can only do our best, but we're still limited in terms of what. Yeah. We're doing that.
0: Yeah, I would love to see more discussions like that, um, and I think that you, I think that there are a lot of personal trainers who still don't quite understand like the differences in different people and how it can. Yeah, it still comes back to energy balance, but it is genuinely harder for some people to lose weight than it is for others Mm -hmm. and the likelihood is if you're a personal trainer who's always been in shape who is has quite manageable hunger levels you've never experienced what the what some people have experienced when they're trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. and the analogy that I like to give just to kind of put a little bit of context into it is that when you when you get very lean so like competition prep and everyone's like, you know, within the fitness industry, oh, they're grinding, they're so hard, it's amazing, blah, 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 I'm working so hard. You wouldn't understand the hunger that I feel, like I'm, I'm I don't know, smelling chicken breast.
1: Like what's weird stuff that competitors do? Like, I don't know. I used to see uh, packets of like food on the floor, like rubbish, and I would be hypersensitive to it. So I'd be like, oh my God, there's a packet, like an empty Mars bar packet on the floor. Oh my God, I need a Mars bar. And it would just be of yeah, rubbish like,
0: Stuff like that, right? And part of that comes
1: from having very low leptin levels.
0: One thing that happens when you're very overweight in some individuals is that you become less sensitive to leptin. So you're a bit leptin resistant. And it's kind of similar to that heightened response. Like your body genuinely doesn't think that it has that much body fat. So if you have competed as a personal trainer or you've got very lean for a photo shoot or something, I try and get people to feel like to kind of put in the perspective of, That might be how your client feels at a much higher body fat percentage Mm -hmm. and it isn't true that just because you've got more energy it should mean that you know you'd be absolutely able to be in a deficit from a physiological perspective there won't be like any negatives to that but your brain might very well think that you're starving Mm -hmm. which is why it's really really hard to stick to these these calories or this, this diet and how it can be so much harder for one individual despite the fact that they're storing more body fat than another individual who has less body fat you don't know that their hunger cues aren't exactly the same or that their drive to eat isn't the same.
1: Yeah, and then on top of that you've got people who are successively lean, like competing, and they get they feel virtue in that hunger, or they get celebrated for that hunger, whereas someone in a larger body has the same like feelings that are really hard, and yet they're they're getting shamed for that hunger and they don't get a benef- a benefit from that hunger in the sense of they have to even keep dieting in order to lose body fat. Whereas people who are really lean are like yeah, I'm I'm winning a trophy from this one. But like,
0: there's a psychological side of that too that you can't even imagine. I yeah, and that. I think it's like, the hopefully the narrative that nobody thinks anymore, but like shitty personal trainers that like, well, they're just lazy, they just don't want it enough. I'm like, they are probably working potentially just as hard as you. Mm-hmm. And then you, know, you think that you're grinding really hard and you're 0% body fat and blah, 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 blah in a much larger body. Like it, it isn't equal and you can't see that from the outside. So I think that's where, like, understanding that is something that we go over quite a lot in the IQ. And I think that that's one of the, like, actually, that's, I was going to say that's one of the most important things. but so many important things. But for me, anyway, that's that's a really important thing to make sure that personal trainers understand is that, it, yeah, you might be like, it's just energy balance. And, yeah, it does come back to energy balance. It does come back to them being in a deficit. But it certainly doesn't mean that it's as easy as that for everyone. And that's a really important point to understand. <coughs> so some Great people... Question. yeah. I mean, did, did we go on a little bit of a tangent?
1: Us? Oh, tangent? <laughs> Never heard Sword of that. Sort box?
0: <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> um, right, I think that might have been the one that came up. <clears throat> oh no, mate, I think there was one before this. Um, the clothing sizes, if you actually measure them, they're usually, they're much bigger than the advertised size to feed egos.
1: I don't know if they're feeding egos by having clothing sizes that are not. What's this for? Accurate. I think you say clothing sizes or she's saying clothing sizes that are bigger than the advertisements to feed their egos. I don't think it's necessarily feeding. I think I might be wearing a twelve year old girl's sports. How great does your ego feel right <coughs> now? How great do you feel about yourself? I think it's Tax-free, just tax free baby. <laughs> I think it's just
0: clothing not Oh, who cares about sizes? I know. Um, especially with COVID annoying when unhealthy people are freaking out about getting COVID, but not doing anything to make themselves healthy, even if it's just walking. See, this is kind of part of like the narrative we were just talking about. It isn't as easy for everyone. And there is like, this is the difference between shit, tough love and good, tough love. Like the good, tough love is here's the support. Here's like, you know, here's me, here to support you doing this I feel like you can know, do that's the empowerment like you, really you need the empowerment with the tough love if you're just like you should be doing this because you should care about your health and you should get out for a walk like I don't think that's helpful and if anything it makes people feel guilt and shame about the fact that they're not doing that rather than feeling motivated and empowered to do that mm-hmm. and I think sometimes just putting your the shoe on the other foot like looking at it from your own perspective if someone told me that I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I'm I'm almost essentially like I'm a bad person for not prioritising X, whether that's my own health or whether that's something else. That's not going to make me want to change. Whereas if someone comes at me with like, these are the things that we can do together to help you and I know that you can do it and it's empowering and it's a little bit, yeah, you do have to get off your bum and do it, but these are the benefits you're going to get. That's completely different. So a lot of this is in the
1: delivery. I agree. I think think if you're, I'm not sure if you're a coach or not, but if you're getting annoyed at the way other people act, then look at why that is the case. If one of my clients for two months didn't make progress, I would think, wait, how, what am I not doing to support them? How can I support them more? Not, oh my God, I'm getting so pissed off at you. Why are you not doing what we're saying? Like, that's the art of behavior change. And again, something we talk about on I mean, I feel all the time. It's like, our job as coaches is to say, how can I support you? Not... I'm annoyed because you're not doing what I'm saying. Like, it's not your place to get annoyed Mm -hmm. about someone else's actions, even as a coach, it's not your place to get annoyed at their actions. It's your job to support as a coach, or if you're not a coach, it's your job to say nothing because actually they've not asked for your advice and it's unsolicited. So that's another thing, it's important to self reflect on that a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And also just remember that COVID is a transmittable disease that people can catch like it's not it's not the same as I don't know like I think there was there was a point in the pandemic a lot of people comparing it's like yeah but more people die of heart disease than COVID it's like right but you don't catch heart disease from being sat next to someone without wearing a mask like they're very different I don't think you can compare like looking after your body in terms of your physical health and avoiding catching it Disease that you could catch transmissible. Trans- mm. What is the word?
1: Transmit- transmissible. There, yeah, I'm not even broaching yeah, COVID. Yeah, let's move swiftly on. <coughs>
0: Couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Read the fat acceptance discussion. I am a GP, so it's not all doctors. <laughs> yes, we know, don't worry. <laughs> okay, it's not. literally one. <laughs> um, but I agree that there are some doctors who do endorse it um, all and, not, and do not encourage weight loss. It does seem, like, I don't understand why they're not, um, like, penalised. I think. But by governing body. like
1: That, yeah, you are totally right. I think, do you know what? I understand that, again, I understand that a lot, we have the data that shows us that when people are stigmatised for their weight in in doctor surgeries, not by doctors like you, by the way, who just say, yeah, weight loss might be important here, but people who are genuinely stigmatised and it's like they're, their diseases and their underlying um, symptoms etc get dismissed for weight or they're just told like just just go keto and lose body fat or whatever it is that contributes to like weight stigma weight shame and it contributes to people not like getting misdiagnosis not even seeing their gp so that's where a lot of this side other side has come from to fight that but yet again it's Extreme And it's unhelpful because extremes are unhelpful. But we live, in a, we live in a world where extremes are pushed and everything in the middle is left behind unless you have people consistently pushing for it. So all we can do is say, this is the middle ground, this is the middle ground. It's and- the framing again as
0: well, though, isn't it? Like, if, if you're saying you need to lose weight because these really scary things will happen if you don't, like you'll get heart disease or you might get diabetes or blah, blah, blah. That's really scary and it's not empowering. I think that was the problem with the cancer research campaign that was, like, number one cause of... Or number one predictor of cancer or whatever it said. Like, obesity is a leading cause of cancer or something. And, that, like, that wasn't helpful because it didn't back it up with... But here's all the things that you can do to change if you, if you don't want that to be you kind of thing. That's very different than... Which I'm sure, like, you as a GP didn't do that. But I think you can come away from maybe quite like a brief encounter with a GP or a doctor who says like these are the things that can happen if you don't change Mm -hmm. and feel scared and fear and comfort that with overeating yeah and then obviously that just exacerbates the problem as opposed to feeling like now I'm motivated to change or now I feel empowered to change like now I realize that even, you know, just going for a walk every day will massively improve my health. And here's, like, some easy things that I can do rather than feeling completely overwhelmed with, oh, my God, should I do low-carb? I don't even really know what carbs are. Like, if you've not really looked at your diet before, should I be doing this? Does that mean I can never enjoy this food again? And and I don't, like, blame GPs because they only have, like, 10 minutes is a push. Like, whenever I've seen mine, they're like, okay, do you want to sit down or should we just, like, shut the door? Like, they're busy, right? So they don't have time to be, like don't worry too much about carbs, like, this is how we can do it, Use it. like, there just isn't the time to reassure people, which I, is why I think that there's probably more an emphasis on here's all the information you need, fuck, that's overwhelming, I don't know what to do, now I'm a bit scared, and all these bad things might happen, and that makes me feel worse, and now I'm going to eat to numb those feelings. Mm-hmm. That, so there needs to be something in place for that, but I don't think, I don't think it's hiding away from the problem, I think, again, it comes back to the kind of, like, it, is a, it probably comes back to tough love, right? Like the, the, Realistically, this is going to cause health complications going forward. But I'm here to support you, I'm here to help you, and you can change. And it doesn't have to be as scary as what you think. And when you're not doing it alone, it's a hell of a lot less scary. Mm. Mm. Um, how can I fight the urge to binge? I'm not feeling full enough today and my calories are 2,500. I work with Anna. Ah,
1: Speak to Anna about this and like, keep... Take a note of this and either speak to her about it sooner rather than later, keep it for your chicken whenever you want to do it. Eat some more, and I know that that sounds daunting when you feel like you're on 2,500 calories, like eat some more food and maybe maybe try a little bit more volume because maybe actually you've not, you might be on 2,500 calories but maybe today you've had lower volume foods and so that's why you're maybe a bit hungrier, or maybe yesterday you were super active or maybe you're hormonal and there's so many reasons why you might be feeling more hungry today also if you're working with Anna you might think actually what are the other reasons why I tend to overeat maybe there are some emotional things there like has anything else gone on for you today that actually you think do you know what maybe I just want to phone my best friend and chat something through or maybe I want to do some journaling and you obviously know Anna is a big pusher of the journaling so maybe that's something you want to do but
0: journal pusher
1: she is journal there's worse things in life um but think about it it's much better for you today to eat even let's say 500 calories over your macros and push you up, up, up a little bit and 100% would be like great choice there. You decided to give yourself permission to eat more rather than trying to control this and then maybe later on overeating and feeling like you failed and then you're going to eat more and more and more. If, you were, if I was working with you and you did that, I'd be like, f- fucking great, great decision there. Fucking great. Literally, um, I would use those exact words.
0: Oh, I don't know your name, finding my fit. But yeah, I agree. And also, this is often a time where, like, just reaching out and you've kind of done this here, right, Mm -hmm. just reaching out to getting a little bit of reassurance. This is totally normal to feel now and again, but it's good that you've already taken Viktor Frankl's advice of, I'm going to respond instead of react here." like, I feel like I want to binge. But actually, this is a huge win. If you're like, I'm going to write down that I feel like I want to binge. These are the reasons why it might be. Here are my options. Like, I'm either going to eat a little bit more or actually now that I've written all this down, I kind of feel like, "Hmm, okay, this is the choice
1: that I'm making. Mm -hmm. I was really enjoying your acting skills there.
0: This is her doing her (laughs) journaling. La la la. Winning. Um, Bad habits, not exercising slash alcohol. Get in the way of my sticking to the wellness plan. I always self-sabotage. How do I apply tough love to that, please? I think the application of tough love there is probably if you're the kind of person who's like, I did have a drink again this weekend, or like again tonight, even though I did last night and I told myself I wouldn't, but it's okay because, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel bad about these things, I'm only human, but that was happening every single night, then you should be like, okay, this isn't conducive to my long-term goals, I need to do something to change it, and it sounds like you've kind of already done that, that's the tough love part. Um... And now it's, like, what is actually the barriers to change here? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you exercising? Do you not enjoy the exercise that you're doing? Is the gym too far away? Could you just be doing home workouts? Is it a time issue? Is it, you know, what, like, what are the issues? Rather than just not exercising and drinking too much alcohol, again, why are you drinking alcohol? Is it because you don't sleep well and you're trying to get to sleep? Is it because you're overstressed? Is it because of social events? Like, what are the reasons behind that? And then you can kind of find solutions to it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Completely agree. I would also say, as a bit of a side note, wellness plan is 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 a plan. And if you're trying to stick to a specific wellness plan, think of this kind of like a bit of a I'm trying to think of it kind of like a snow globe, right? And you're stuck in the snow globe of like this is my plan. And if I can't stick to this plan, I put a crack in the snow globe every single time and eventually you're going to feel like the snow globe is just going to crack and it's all going to be... Hello break. analogy! It's great, isn't it? It's just came to my head. It's oh, Honestly, I'm such a creative and um, so think of it like that. So eventually when you keep having a glass of wine at night or you skip that final day of training and it explodes and you feel like you've screwed it and you're like, do you know what? I'm just going to hold off this wellness plan. I'm going to start in January. Try and take a step out. In and perfect action there we go, stick a sec out and be like, this is not wellness plan, this is your life. Like there's no stop point, end point, like constructs that you have to follow within your life. This is just your life. So it's like, okay, there's no on and off. How can I, like, again, use all the advice that Emma just gave in terms of like the tough love side of things, but you don't have to be, if you're having alcohol and if you're not exercising for a week, this doesn't mean you screwed up your life. I just leave that week you, you drunk some more and you didn't exercise and you need to put some of these things that ever just set into place to crack on again next week there's no end point and I think approaching it like that is so so important instead of like this finite thing that's part of your life it encompasses your whole life it enhances your whole life it's not just a little section of your life and then social life is here and work is here it's all like it's all in the snow globe it's all in the snow globe do you think that's the difference
0: a little bit between working towards a defined goal, like fitting in extra dress or whatever, and which you might have these short term goals, and generally living your life by your values. So if mm-hmm. one of my values was health, okay, what? How am I living my life by health? And that means that there isn't an end point. Mm-hmm. Like I will always do these things because health will always be one of my values or is one of my key values, mm-hmm. and that means that you don't inevitably reach these like goals that you might be highly motivated towards or like a six-week plan or, you know, an end point. And then you kind of drop off the other side and you're like, I oh, don't know how to continue that. Whereas if you're like, I'm, my, my overarching goal, if you will, is to live by my values. Like, that's what I'm promising myself that I'll do. What do those behaviours look like at the moment? And that also gives you space to change them. Like, mm-hmm. at some point, fat loss might have been in line with your value for health. Now, if you're any good at fat loss... At some point it won't be in line with your value for health so now you change that goal but the value stays the same and i think that gives you like direction and it means that you can change tack without feeling like oh i've completely gone off track that like i've reached this goal and now i feel lost almost of what to do next Mm -hmm. and i think that's often where we see people like over dieting or yeah, going a little bit too far because they're like well I had this goal and my goal was just weight loss and now it's always been weight loss and now that I've actually achieved that and I think we both get that quite a lot I know that maybe not so much with your clients now but I do that you know they've been trying to lose weight for their whole life so weight loss has actually been their goal for their whole adult life and then when they do achieve it it's almost like Well, I'll just, like, that's always the goal. So I just keep going. It's like, you've gone too far now. Whereas Mm. if health was the overarching goal, you'd be like, okay, well, actually, you're in a healthy BMI now. Like, we can change the goal, but the habits will stay the same or, like, similar because health is still the overarching value.
1: Mm. Yeah. Love that. Love that whole thing. It also stops you from, I know you mentioned self-sabotage, the person who commented, like, having those structured goals increases your risk of self-sabotage because you think... When I reach this goal, then I will do X, Y, or Z, or then I will feel X, Y, or Z, or then I'll finally be happy in my body, blah, blah, blah. And if you don't feel subconsciously that you're moving towards that as you're continuing to to progress towards that goal, you can self-sabotage because you, A, fear that you're going to actually success, like, of success there, but also you fear what happens when you get there and because you think I'm not going to be any happier like this is actually happening and I'm not going to be any happier I'm not going to accept the fact that I'm not going to be happier and my life's not happy I'm just going to sabotage on this and then I can blame it on my diet mm-hmm. so actually having those rigid goals as well as increasing your risk of self-sabotage so like Emma said it's totally fine to be like do you know what, I want to fit in that dress that's absolutely fine to have that but not as you're like this is not this as is your North Star babe exactly not your North Star it's just Honestly. Bethlehem oh oh what oh <laughs> a shepherd we are honestly we're the wise men we are the wise men
0: and we're who's the third Pedro. oh yeah no he's our sheep oh yeah no he's the baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right enough with the analogies but yeah yeah i love the talk on on self-sabotage as well i think that like i did a post yesterday about waiting to be happy and it just resonated with me so much i listened to this on modern wisdom podcast but These are the good old days. I know that that's like so cringe and cheesy, but you will. You'll look back on this and you'll be like, you'll be like, I was waiting for X to happen. Or I was hoping that, you know, like when I'd set this business goal, like then I was going to be happy. Or when I'd lost this weight, then I was going to be happy. Or even like when we go to Mexico, then we're going to be happy. Like, I feel like we're very good at being like, we're happy wherever we are, no matter what's going on. Because we're choosing to be, because we're not putting it off for this other goal that's coming. And then when you look back, you're normally like, shit, that like, that was when I was happy, when I was working towards X and I didn't allow myself to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that just that frame of like, yeah, like these are the good old days, it just really resonated with me.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Oh. Um, hi girls, I love all the content you share and the podcast. I listen before the gym at 6am. Oh. oh, thanks. I'm assuming Dory. Do you think having set routines and non-negotiables can make life too formulaic? Or do you think it makes it more freeing? Oh! Again, I think it just depends on your frame of it. Yeah. And I think if you're using non-negotiables as literally like, my life would break if I didn't hit these, then yeah, that's too formulaic. And I think people... So I talk about non-negotiables quite a lot. And I have them for myself. Now, if I don't hit them, it's not the end of the world. Mm. But equally, they're very... What people mistake when I talk about these is mine are very low. So an example might be, I will try and do a workout three times a week, like that's my non-negotiable, now I normally go five to six times a week, like my non-negotiable is getting 8,000 steps a day, normally I'll probably double that, but they're like the fundamentals that I'm like, I like to hit those, as, and I have ones for work as well, that I'm like I need to do X, Y and Z, everything else is, is like a bonus, and even on my like shit weeks, I'll always still do those, and that kind of keeps me ticking over it's more about allowing yourself to be imperfect than it is about setting yourself really high standards. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got like a baseline there. Now, if there was a week I was ill or like after back surgery, I was obviously not like, well, I'm a non-negotiable still three workouts. So, well, I just have to do them. Like there's being like sensible with it. And I think this is true for a lot of advice. It's like, this is great advice if you're sensible. Like still ap- apply that on top of it. Like if you're like, oh, I've got COVID. But I know I set these non-negotiables of X, Y, and Z. Come on. Like, there has to be a bit of common sense with it, I think.
1: I agree. Think about, like, take away from food and exercise. Be like, okay, so my non-negotiable is that I am going to shower every day. But do you know what? Do you know what? Amelia doesn't. I'm like, no, I do. We do because it's, fuck, it's sweaty here. Yeah, right. But say you had a day that you were, I don't know, you didn't shower for some reason. You're not gonna be like you're not gonna be like I am such a shit. I can't. I actually can't believe I didn't shower today. I am. I mean, I probably the say I worst. Dead, I am the worst person ever. Yeah, like. but
0: you'd say that, but you wouldn't be like. Yeah. I am actually a bad person. Yeah, if you're you not go say
1: Yeah, and you have crap of your life, and it's people treat food and exercise like it's some sort of holy grail that doesn't that that requires this rigidity, and it's like you don't treat the rest of your life like that, like. Even if you were like if you were wasted and you don't brush your teeth one night, you wouldn't wake up the next day and be like, "Oh my god, just, oh my god, I can't even do teeth. And then you
0: wouldn't be like, "Well, fuck it, I'll never brush my teeth
1: again." <laughs> <Yeah, before." laughs> exactly, but we've
0: ruined it land, now. Yeah,
1: exactly
0: that. Like, when it te- is funny that you think like that, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Because, like, if you miss a, I don't know, if you have a day of crap eating really you should be thinking well today I'll make I'll, I'll make good choices because yesterday I really didn't mm. but most people think well there's no point then and if you <laughs> put it in a different context of like right so you, you didn't wash yesterday so today you're like well, there's no point washing for the rest of my life <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> we were Not speaking myself. about um the kind of like there's there's often a lack of I guess, being, like, rational and logical, even with extremely intelligent people when it comes to nutrition. we were talking about, like... Ourselves. Ourselves, but then also, like, people we've worked with in academia that are, like, so intelligent. And also, like, exercise physiologists or, like, just physiologists in general. And yet, when it comes to nutrition, sometimes still have very, like, odd views that have no scientific base whatsoever. And, like, my mum never watches any of these, but, like, she's a prime example, like is a professor, like very scientifically literate, and yet will still be like, no, it's bread that's making me put on weight. I'm like, it's the calories in the bread though, mum. She's like, no, inherently bread. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Okay, Um, we'll wrap it up, but someone obviously have to read out the really nice comments before we go. (laughs) I love your attitude about love and supporting people without judgment. Thank you. Thank you. Although I'm cold and abrasive. <laughs> I think you got the wrong impression here. Um, I get that it's not that easy for everyone, but it's when they are verbally saying, I don't want to work in the office because I might get COVID. I work with very overweight people and I get fed up hearing about it. But yeah, like I said, you don't catch obesity. Although it is actually very, um, there's really interesting stats around that. Like, I can't remember, even if you're, like, two people removed, you're still, like, a high percentage. This is such crap information, just can't remember the percentages. But you're still a very high percentage more likely to be overweight if, like, a friend of a friend is overweight, which is interesting. Mm. But anyway, my point is, it's not a communicable, is that the right word? Yeah. Disease. Like, it's a non-communicable disease. And I think You can't compare the two.
1: Yeah, these are very separate things. I get that it's not easy for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But when they're verbally saying, I don't want to work in the office because I might get COVID that's a completely nothing to do with their weight that's a separate thing if someone who was lean was saying that would you still like it's they're just completely separate things and also
0: uh, you could argue it both ways they could be like do you know what i am overweight so i know that i might have COVID worse or my my consequences might be worse thus i don't want to be in the office Mm -hmm. that's not to say that they're not already doing something about their weight or they haven't been trying very hard to be doing something about their weight Mm -hmm. i think uh, people forget as well like weight loss takes time fitness takes time mm. if you know covid like if you suddenly have decided especially in the when the first wave came you know, it's like you yeah, have done nothing about your weight like oh i'm sorry i didn't lose 100 pounds overnight when covid appeared like yeah.
1: and i think as well like if this if you predominantly work with people who are overweight or in the obese category then you tough love you need to work on your empathy a little bit of these people because people are not struggling to do it to do it because of their knowledge they're struggling like they need your support and they need your empathy and you saying I'm getting fed up of hearing it I'm sure you're not saying it to them is the opposite of what they need like maybe it's actually that you don't maybe you need to work with people who are not overweight or just work on your empathy a little bit and that's and I mean that again from the toughest lovingest Mm. yeah that's your tough love Mm. If you are a coach, you might not be a coach. Actually, actually, they said they work with people
0: who are overweight. Oh, well then you should be doing EIQ because I think after that lecture you will kind of understand a little bit more the nuances and how actually, you know, you can't tell from looking at someone how hard they're working at all.
1: Mm.
0: And yeah, that shows a a real lack of understanding in, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but, but that is like my pet hate is personal trainers that don't understand that.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe I should talk about it more. Um, Do we want to cover that one? Extremely low calorie diets?
1: Pop it on Emma's box. Oh wait, hold on. Pop it on Emma's box or my box, whoever's got a box up and we will answer Yeah,
0: we will answer that. Um, I think for most people, no. Um, Not from a physiological perspective, really, but from a psychological perspective um but yeah i would love to answer that so oh. do put it in the box yeah
1: we want to give it create
0: it we want to give it airtime 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 babe oh do you know what i'll do Let's screenshot it and we can answer it on the next great next
1: live tomorrow my page similar time Be there. <clears throat> um Right, right we're out of time for questions okay bye bye